LeBron James is a champion. LeBron James is a business magnet. LeBron James is a hooper. LeBron James is a Laker, a calf, and a heat. LeBron James is an actor and a producer. LeBron James is a philanthropist. LeBron James is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. LeBron James is a GOAT, not the GOAT, that would be Michael Jordan, of course, but a GOAT nonetheless. LeBron James is simultaneously worshipped and polarizing, but most importantly for the sake of this discussion, LeBron James is beloved amongst card hobbyists. One of those sports figures who makes you want to collect this. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. Adam Gray, editor at Basketball Card Fanatic and a PWCC content manager uh, and LeBron James truther. Are you a LeBron James fan, Adam? Of course. Who isn't a LeBron James fan? One of the greatest players of all time. I love LeBron. I'll tell you who is a LeBron James fan. The nine people uh, who bought the cards that I'm about to mention here. Okay. So this list comes from rarest.org from September 2022. Um, It could be off. It could be on. But it was a good list. All stuff in one place. So I'm going to go in reverse order. The uh, nine most pricey LeBron James cards. You ready, Adam? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. 200304 Upper Deck Ultimate Collection Autograph Logo Man. 312 grand. Number eight, a 2809 Exquisite Collection Inscription Dual Kobe and LeBron Autograph, 337200 Yikes. Number seven, 2004 Topps Chrome Black Refractor, almost half a million dollars, 480 grand. Number six, 2012-13 Panini Prism Gold, 571 $200,000. Yikes. Number five, we're getting into some serious numbers here, Adam. Number five, a 200607 Ultimate Collection Logo Man Patch, almost 700 grand. Number four, 200405 Tops, Tops Chrome Super Fractor Easy. For me, say 720000 Top three, we're getting into the seven figures, my friend. A 200304 Upper Deck Logo Man, one point, see, almost $1.3 million. Uh, second highest, 2022 Triple Logo Man Patch, $2.4 million. And rounding it out, almost double, actually pretty much double the last one, a 2003 Upper Deck Exquisite Parallel RPA, $5.2 million. When you, when you hear numbers like that, is that overwhelming? Is it mind-blowing? Or within the context of the hobby, does it make sense? Well, I'll tell you what's crazy is that, is that the majority of the items that are on that list now have changed so dramatically since they sold. Number 10, 9, 8, they are all completely different now. One of them that you mentioned at the beginning, I think it was number, I think it was number, sorry, number nine or number eight, the um, the uh, autograph logo man out of Ultimate. That's yeah, a yeah. several million dollar card now. But when it sold last, which was years ago, it was only a few hundred thousand dollars. So when I hear it, I see that. But then also you mentioned a few a few numbers later, the tops Chrome Black, which is probably not worth nearly what it sold for, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So yeah, uh, it's just the hobby's always moving. That's what I hear. What, that's what I think when I hear that list. Well, does, does the volatility, does the LeBron volatility reflect the hobby as a whole, or is that just him? 
I do think I think that's a great question. I think that that the volatility that you're seeing there represents really what we've seen this roller coaster ride of the last few years. But listen, mm-hmm. LeBron has a has a big part in that because he's a guy who when he goes to the Lakers, people just go absolutely crazy when they win the championship, they go absolutely nuts and that happens to, to happen around the exact same time that the hobby's peaking. And so, you know, um, I think what happened with LeBron is people really loved his stuff because he was both somebody who had like an all-time great resume and potential. But now people are sort of looking at it and going, man, now, now if you want LeBron, it's for what he's done. It's not probably Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. for what he's going to do in the future. Yeah. You can't really speculate anymore at this point. He is near the uh, twilight of his career. I mean, he's he's going out relatively strong, a little gimpy, but relatively strong. Um, Let's talk about you for a sec before we get into the LeBron weeds. What's basketball card fanatic? So Basketball Card Fanatics, uh, Basketball Card Magazine that has existed for the last two and a half years. Um, a friend of mine and I started it um, and we we issue once a month. The magazine's 28 to 36 pages. We issue monthly. It actually um, comes out in print. Uh, so that we have people who have just print print or digital uh, subscriptions. But listen, it is a, it is a uh, passion, like filled collector's uh magazine that, that I think that the the small you know group of people who actually subscribe to it that, that they really love it's grown it's continued to grow and um, it's been a lot of fun we're in I think it's something like 50 different card shops um, across oh, the United wow. States we have internationally um, you know, people who, who subscribe and and you know there's not a lot of people who are doing print in in 2022 and the reason simple it's hard to do print so it's grown a lot absolutely love it Props to you, man. Uh, and what's going on over at PWCC? I know that uh, like CSG uh, and like a lot of auction houses and hobby um, entities, they are amping up their content offerings. What are you doing with them? Yeah. So PWCC has been wild. I've been here for six months um, and the the company grows inc- is just growing incredibly fast. I think it would surprise people to know we have 160 employees at this point. Mm. So, um, and my, my role is on the marketing team and I get to do all sorts of cool things. One thing that we just wrapped up that a lot of people followed is the iconic 100 where we counted down the, Very communities, cool. the community's sort of view on the icon, most iconic 100 cards yeah. in the industry. And that was a blast. And I get to work on all sorts of things that are like that. Lots of fun. Yeah, we're recording this in December of uh, 2022, um, but that thing ain't going anywhere. It's going to be an evergreen piece of content. I would highly, highly recommend uh, checking out. It was really well done. So let's talk about LeBron. Um, Collectors love him, right? He is a goat. Collectors don't love all goats. I, I Muhammad Ali, for instance, I think is the goatiest of all goats, but you don't hear about $5.2 million Muhammad Ali sales. What is it about LeBron that even we're approaching, like I said, the twilight of his career. Um, he's had up and ups and downs in his life and on and off the court, but he remains to be this amazing figure amongst collectors. Why? Well, I think you know, there's a couple things. The first thing that's really important to recognize is LeBron's rookie year is really an interesting point in the history of the hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get done with, with, when you get into the mid nineties and late nineties, the card companies really are trying, they're grasping at straws. They're trying all of these different things to try to reinvigorate the hobby. And then by the end of that point, they've sort of tried everything that they know how to do. They've done all these jerseys and autographs and serial numbered things and all these things. And then right in 2003 is when upper deck comes along and they say, you know what? We're going to really just pull out all the stops here. We're going to take as many game used products as we can or game used 
assets as we can, autographs as we can. We're going to put it all into this ultra high-end product. We're going to make it $500 a pack and it's going to be incredible. And so Mm -hmm. LeBron James has a rookie card, serial numbered out of 99. A few years before this, that was unheard of, right? It was absolutely unheard of because- you know, even cards that were numbered out of 2000 a few years before this were considered exceptionally rare. So LeBron comes along in this moment where the hobby is ready for this ultra high end thing. And it's not just that it's across this whole rookie year, you've got autographs and patches and rare cards. And so what, what happens now is we look back, we go, okay, this guy's been around for 20 years. He's going to be the all time leading scorer. He's one of the greatest players of all time, undeniably. Mm -hmm. And he has these ultra like important cards from his from his rookie year and throughout his career and so that's sort of the perfect storm for these incredible values that we've seen for longevity too yes i you know you look at a guy uh like steph curry for instance who i don't know if he's ever going to approach lebron scoring just because of the longevity um but he is also a hero amongst hobbyists but not quite at that level yet despite the fact that it could be argued he is as much of a winner in effect. Oh yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons for that is that timing, you know, the, mm-hmm. the beginning of, of exquisite is considered much more significant to hobbyists than the beginning of when Steph's career started, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, although it's sure. the very first year of national treasures, it's the, what, like the seventh year of, of autograph patch rookie cards. It's just not right. considered as important to the history of the hobby. It's interesting that you've put it in that context. Like I've talked to people about goats, right? That's one of the big conversations about car collecting, memorabilia collecting, et cetera, is the goat factor of it. But you, Adam, are are positing here that it, it, the goatness is just one aspect of his desirability. Yeah, I think I think that's a really a really good way to say it. Um, I think that's exactly right. There's there's like there's like multiple components in, in multiple, I always say there's multiple variables in terms of, of how people are collected. One is the market. The market mm-hmm. really matters. And the market's something that a player has no effect over. Two is like the set and the, the sort of offering, right? Because like you can look at a guy, you mentioned Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, right? Great example. There's when Sports Century list made their list. He's like a top. I think he was top three all time athlete, mm-hmm. right? And he always will be. He's always going to be at the top of those lists. Always will be. But here's the thing: he doesn't have the moment that LeBron had in 03. He doesn't even have the moment that that Curry did in 09 within the hobby context of having something right. that's rare, important, significant, and all of that. And so when you look across these multiple variables, you have to like realize sometimes it has to do with all of those things and a player only controls one of those variables and that is what happens on the court that's right uh but interestingly enough lebron also very much controls what happens off the court he's very conscious of his image mm. he's a philanthropist he's a businessman etc cetera, etc cetera. do you think the movies the the charity work etc cetera, etc cetera, plays into it because i've had another discussion i've had with many a hobbyist is People dig having nice dudes in their collection, right? That's part of the reason, I think, uh, and it has been confirmed anecdotally speaking, that Steph Curry is such a, a, a beloved figure because you can put a Steph Curry card, uh, you know, a nice slab card up on your little mantelpiece and people are like, oh, cool, Steph. Whereas, you know, no one's going to have like a Bill Lambeer card up there. <laughs> yeah, I think, 
I think that cultural significance really matters. And so when yeah. somebody begins to leave this cultural significance, it's a little bit about what we were talking about LeBron earlier, um, where he's kind of entering the twilight. That that harms some aspect of his offering to you mm-hmm. know, as far mm-hmm. as as far as collectability goes. Um, so cultural significance matters. Niceness is is an interesting way to think about. It. I think there's people who collect people who are nice. I, in fact, I know there are, but I think there are more people who are sort of really focused on how much that person matters to not only the, the sport but to the hobby and to the world. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's like you were saying, it's a broader context. It's not yeah. just scoring a lot of points. It's not just getting a bunch of triple doubles. It's yes. not, you know, we're not too concerned about, I mean, we are concerned, but we're not concerned about the championship losses, right? Because there are plenty of those. And I'm a Michael Jordan truther, so that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> So let's talk about some of your favorite LeBron cars, not necessarily the most valuable, just the ones that kind of get you all excited and happy every time you see one. Let, let's actually put it in context of the Iconic 100 real quick, because we Bring it. The Iconic 100 again was about was about getting really smart people to rank how they felt about the most iconic cards ever. LeBron mm-hmm. only had three cards that made the whole list. I say only because there's only a few people who made more than he did. Okay, But one of them that you could kind of half count him for is he's on that card with Kobe Bryant from 2008 tops, sure, which has sure. become a really iconic image. So in some ways, I kind of feel like he, he made four. He had two cards that just barely missed out on the list. One is the number one card from 2012 Prism. You mentioned this card on your top nine list. The gold version sold back in 2000 or 2001 for almost $600,000. Right. It's, it's the first Prism card, and that particular one is, is gold. If I had one card of LeBron James that I could get, it would be that card. It's not close. It's easily that one because it represents you know the Prism brand, the very beginning of Prism, the very mm-hmm. first card. First gold. Mm-hmm. I have the silver, and to me, that's probably as good as I'm ever going to get because finding the gold at this point is next impossible and obviously cost prohibitive. Um, yeah. <laughs> that card just missed the list. I think it finished at like 108. And so people won't think of it when they look at the list going forward, but it got a lot of votes because, again, it's iconic in that it, it represents the Prism brand and it's that right. first card. So right. that kind of represents one card I'd really love that I have a version of. Um, as far as other cards that I have, I have a couple of his exquisite autograph patches from early in his career, nothing from his rookie year, but the way that I think about LeBron and his inserts and his, his sort of like canon of cards, you have two sections. You have the upper deck and tops era where they had the the basketball license. And then you have the Panini era. Mm. And if you look at that initial era, you have to, and you say, I'm a rare card collector. I want to own the things that are rare and that are important. You either probably gravitate towards autograph patches or towards like refractors and gold refractors. And Mm -hmm. I really like both of these things, but I feel like his best insert cards, and it's funny to call them insert cards, but this is how I think of them. I think of like his rare autograph patches that are, that are, that have a good aesthetic that are rare have like the nicest versions of the autographs to me those are his best insert cards mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so i um i gravitate towards towards those and some of the other rare cards and then from the panini era um again i really like 2012 prism but everything after that it's harder to sort of pick out the things that i love because other than like a guy like kobe 
LeBron really has this, like, again, I use the word cannon, this very large cannon of great mm-hmm. cards. Mm-hmm. And other than things from his rookie year, it's kind of hard to decipher what stuff is like the stuff that's really going to matter. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's bought from team to team to team. <laughs> um, you know, you, that's right. I, let's just, I'm a Chicago guy, right? If Walter Payton went to, you know, the, the, the 49ers to play for a year, I wouldn't have, have anything to do with it. I don't want to have anything to do with the Michael Jordan Washington Wizards card. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that, and this is from the beauty is in the eye of the beholder perspective of collecting. There are probably people who are not going to touch a LeBron James Cleveland card, who aren't going to touch a LeBron James Miami card, and who definitely aren't going to touch a LeBron James Lakers card. Um, and again, that has to do with context. Let me, let me jump in real quick and just ask, because I'm really interested to hear what you say on this. When you remember LeBron, who mm-hmm. are you going to remember him as? Like which Cavs, period. Cavs, period. So that's Without cool. Question. I I. I think that's probably the case for a lot of people, but he's had championships at every stop and he's made an impact at every stop. So he kind of benefits from like the love of multiple fan bases, but I think you're exactly right. He, he does miss out. He doesn't get what Steph gets, right? Steph yeah. will always be the warrior. Whereas yep. LeBron's not the anything he's not, yeah. you know, he's not yeah. the greatest member of the heat. He's not the greatest. Well, I guess he is the greatest calf. He is the greatest calf. That's I, I take that back. Tristan Thompson? You're not saying Tristan Thompson's the greatest calf? Come on, man. Mark Price. Brad Dorn. Mark Price. Oh, I love that Cavs team. And I love those. We're getting like off the rails here. But those like light blue uniforms they had with the like very vibrant orange. And the, those were the best. Those were the best. And I really enjoyed that team. I also enjoyed watching Michael Jordan destroy that team. Another story. <laughs> but no, that's a very legitimate point. Like, my, you know, LeBron does have, and that could be a plus and a minus in the hobby. It could be, okay, well, you're bringing in Laker fans, you're bringing in Heat fans, you're bringing in Cavs fans that might not have otherwise been interested in those cards. Um, I'm going to digress for a second and tell a little LeBron story. Uh, pre-Cav, actually. I used to work, I used to do some writing for the Chicago Bulls, and they sent me out to the draft, the infamous draft when uh, the LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I was working for the Bulls in-house magazine, which was called Basket Bull. I didn't name it. I, I take no blame for that one right there. Uh, and every question that I had asked these dudes had to be Bulls-centric, right? So I'm at LeBron's pre-draft press conference the, the morning of, which in retrospect, you know, the, in the moment, yeah, it's pretty cool. In retrospect, I can't believe I was there. So in the midst of all That's of these crazy. serious journalists asking him serious questions, I stick up my hand and say, Alan Golcher, Basketball Magazine, have you spoken to Tyson Chandler or Eddie Curry about what it's like to go from high school to the pros? And LeBron paused. He's a very polite young man. He goes, no, I haven't. And that was it. My one moment to ask LeBron a question, and that's what I have to ask him. Well, I don't think it was a bad question. No, it's not a bad question, but, you know, there are like eight million other questions that he might have been more interested in. I, I think it's I think it's interesting to think back because, you know, some of those guys they didn't, they didn't respond well to that, to that, you know, that change from high school to the NBA. But in retrospect, you know, between, so in 96, you've got Kobe who does it well. 95, you've got Garnett who does it well. Then you've got this period during, you know, the later half of the nineties and especially that, that Oh one class. Kwame Brown, Eddie Curry. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of guys. I mean, those guys, none of those guys, Really like that draft class is known as being like one of the great later classes, like Tony Parker and Gilbert Arenas and some of these Paul guys. Gasol. 
yeah, those guys, yeah, and Pau Gasol is number three, but some of these other guys that sort of came later in the draft were 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 better than all these early guys. And and then next year, I think the NBA learned a lesson when Amari Stoudemire, I think, went ninth as the only yeah. you know, big high school guy. But but that was a good question, Alan. I just I just think you know LeBron. It's it's a testament to how great LeBron has been because out of all of those guys from that era. Very few of them really nailed it. And LeBron has like got this almost 20 year record now of being like, yeah. I don't want to say spotless, but like he's just gotten it right over and over and over again. Now he is a polarizing figure. Um, some people like what he does off the court. Some people don't like what he does off the court. He's very uh, honestly inconsistent, but it's not his job to be, you know, a pundit. It's his job to play basketball and be a positive public figure. Like that's in the morals clause, blah, 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 blah. But there are people that just straight up don't like the guy, whether it's because of the decision, whether it's some of his, you know, political statements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that at any point, do you believe going to impact his value in the hobby amongst collectors? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does today. Um, I think I think it already affects it. I think the thing that is really clear to me, and I don't know if everybody would agree with this, but I think he's polarizing because of the off the court stuff, not because of the on the court stuff. He is mm. on the court unequivocally one of the greatest players of all time. Some people just think you have to put him at number two. I personally don't, but um, he's one of the greatest players of all time. But off the court, people have lots of different feelings about how an athlete ought to behave. Some people believe that it's their job and their role to be a, a, you know, a, a person who causes change. And some people believe that's not their role. They shouldn't have any part of that. They shouldn't talk about yeah. the things they really believe. I'm not yeah. going to say who's right or who's wrong about that, but it's clear. You're 100% correct. That is polarizing to a lot of people. Great stuff. All right. Before I let you go, before I let you go, we always end every episode with a bold prediction of sorts. Give me a bold prediction about LeBron James in the hobby, not on the court. Um, you know, the Lord knows what's going to happen over in Lakerland. It's, it's kind of a mess right now. They might do some semblance of blowing it up. Uh, they might ride this out to a nice 500 record in a first round exit. Um, so we don't know what LeBron, and he's, he's banged up as noted. So this could be his final year. He could be three years. Or he might be playing with Bronny in a couple. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But in the hobby, it seems like there's even uh, less certainty. What can you envision uh, a notable event being amongst collectors in LeBron land? Okay, so yeah, my bold prediction has to go uh, toward what what happened with Michael Jordan actually after he after he um, you know retired from the NBA. There was a period of time with Jordan where he was not as collected, and his stuff his his values actually suffered. But what we know came after that is the part that that I want to really highlight. A point comes after a player's career is over where people look back and they go, "Oh my goodness, this guy." I want to own all of his best stuff. And that's where the mm. real collectors sort of breed though. That's mm. where, that's where like their love really, really comes in. I predict that in the next five to six years, you're going to see the same thing happen with LeBron James where people just look back and then, and then, you know, after five or six years from now, really forever for decades to go, people are going to be looking at back at the really important cards and they're going to say, how do I acquire that? And the really rare, it's always the same thing. You can find something that's both important and rare. Those are the winners. And so, you know, I know that's a long ways out, but I'm a, I'm a long-term perspective guy. I don't often think in the short term. And so to me, that's your bold prediction. 
Adam Gray, basketball card fanatic. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, dropping some knowledge about LeBron. Thanks, brother. Good talking to you. Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady playoff contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing, Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports card graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. 